Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Fried, the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church. We're so glad that we're together. We are in this teaching series, a renaissance of reconciliation that has come to us through our Vision 2020 team, a group that has met for the last uh, 10 months for six hours a month, spending time listening to what God is saying to us here at Garfield Memorial Church for the next three, five, and 10 years. So appropriate for this season of Lent where the early church set aside 40 days and seven Sundays that we don't just sprint up to the empty tomb or to the cross of Jesus Christ on Good Friday, but we spend time recalibrating, thinking, reflecting on where we are with our walk with Christ. Our church has been doing that too. And this Vision 2020 team heard the word reconciliation. That wasn't something I threw around a lot. In fact, I rejected that word in some ways because I think it's been so poorly represented by the church and by society. But the Holy Spirit pressed this upon us. So we are in the midst of a renaissance of reconciliation. And today, Pastor Steve is going to dig down with that vision. What does that mean? Last week, I looked at our mission, our mission to widen the circle to connect diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. And we learned that our mission is our compass. Our mission defines the direction. Our mission, we should state in one breath, Jesus said, "Uh, the time is at hand, the kingdom has come near. Repent, recalibrate, and believe in the good news. And finally, all of our activity seems to come underlined to that vision or that mission. And Steve today, when he talks about the mission, it's not just a compass. It's the travel brochure. Jesus said the kingdom of God is the vision. It describes the future. When Jesus taught those parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, it didn't just be something we state in one breath. It left us in a state of breathlessness. And the kingdom encourages risk-taking. While the mission integrates activity, the vision of the kingdom of God puts us into risk-taking. We're willing to do what it takes to bring about a renaissance of reconciliation. So listen to members of our vision team as we articulate what that looks like and what it means. Our vision template is a continuous cycle of transformation leading to saturation, turning back into transformation as we are ever widening the circle. The vision team believes that the visual of a cycle reflects Garfield's mission and aligns with our long-standing mission of widening the circle. As you can see from the graphic, transformation leads to saturation, and that saturation is illustrated by the outward-facing triangles, which represent our outreach to the community, which in turn leads to further transformation and, by its nature, a wider circle. 
It is a continuous cycle, but it is not static in size. It is an ever-growing, ever-widening circle. We felt that this graphic representation beautifully and clearly sets the stage for what we want Garfield Memorial Church to do in the next 10 years. In the next 10 years, as a part of this world's broken community, we will seek to become transformed by Jesus as we pursue a renaissance of reconciliation for all people while living into the beloved community together. Our vision expanded. We entered this decade at one of the most divisive moments in our nation's history. But we dream of a decade where the people of Garfield Memorial sow the gospel in Greater Cleveland by saturating it with the gospel's love and power so that discord is replaced with unity. Over the next 10 years, Garfield seeks to ignite a renaissance of reconciliation. A renaissance is a renewal of life and vigor. We want to be the yeast in our communities, the single cell that exponentially grows to bring new life and leading to a lasting peace. We set ourselves to pray, live, hope, and cry for gospel-based reconciliation. At Godfrey Memorial Church, may our prayers be that we visibly walk, work, and worship as one. May we so live, love, and laugh that others are drawn to the peace of God. May our hope be to dethrone the powers and principalities of disparity in greater Cleveland and around our world. May our cry for a church from every nation, tribe, people, and language, as in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, saturate our city and its churches to create for transformation from division to unity. What is the beloved community? It was Dr. King's articulation of Jesus's vision for the kingdom of God. And just listen again, what Dr. King said about the beloved community. He said, but the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is a type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding and goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of people. Let us be a vessel in igniting a renaissance of reconciliation. Well, praise the Lord. And good morning. good morning. Okay, you got one of those right. The other one you just totally whiffed on. Let, praise the Lord. There you go. Come on. Give God some praise. Man, I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm so full, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do a disclaimer before I start. I'm so full, this could come out all kinds of ways. Now, I've preached this sermon like 15 times, twice live. I've preached to my dog, I've preached to the lampshade, I've preached to myself. I got saved, healed, and delivered a couple times. So, you know, we, we're going to just let it do what it do. But, but we are excited to be here. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Stephen Furr. I'm on the staff of this great church. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this ministry at a time such as this. 
I was sharing with uh, Pastor Scott the other day, you know, I've been teaching on discipleship, which I'm going to tie into our mission for most of my ministry. I mean, that has been my thing. I, I even served as a consultant, going to churches, uh, helping them to put discipleship ministry into their church. And, uh, and, but the revelation that the Lord started pouring into me before I knew what this was, was so over the top that when, when you know, we were doing a Zoom call and they were going over it and I was at the other end just, just, you know, going through conniptions because I could see the connection between what the Lord was sharing with me and showing me a fresh revelation in discipleship uh, that I had never seen in, in 30 years of ministry, never seen it. And so I'm going to share that with you t- today. So let's, let's start first with just the scripture. Our scripture text is Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, this is the English, I think, English standard, for English standard version. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, uh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able uh, to test and approve that which is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you notice the word that really jumped off the page at me when we read through our, our, our mission and re- restated it was the word transform. You know, and, and in my view, and, and uh, this is just my view, uh, maybe you agree with me at the end, this whole, this whole mission is predicated on transformation. Yeah. That if, if, if we're changing into the image of Christ, then we are walking like, we're becoming like Jesus. Now, I know, I, I know I'm full of stuff. I get rid of my stuff daily. I'm going to use the word stuff and see how sharp you guys are. Like, I got some stuff, and you got some stuff. And when we come to Christ, we don't come to Christ with a God mind. You know, you know, how we, you know why you came to Jesus? Because you realized you was toe up from the flow up. That's why you came to Jesus. You came to Jesus because we share a common brokenness. That's what brought us to Jesus. So now, now, now for those folks who just, and I'm not judging them, I'm just going to keep it 100 with you. But for those folks who have that nominal Christianity, where they kind of lightly read the teachings of Jesus, and they ascribe certain teachings to Jesus and leave the other ones out to make them uncomfortable and call it Christianity, it ain't, that's not Christianity. Bottom line, that's just not what Jesus taught. That's not what it is, you know. And so, but if you, if you go the, 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 the way of the cross, what Jesus taught, every one of us are standing before God today because we realize that we were broken and in need of a Savior. That's what put us all in the same boat. Now, when we got in the boat, we were segregated in the boat. All the black people was one side of the boat, white people on the other side of the boat, and then the boat was segregated based on biases. We're all, we're all in Christ. We're in the boat. But see, the, the Lord knew that, listen, if I, can, if I can first have you to be born of my spirit and get me inside of you, and if you would walk with me and let me change you, sooner or later, you're going to realize not only are we all in the same boat, we are more alike than different. And so all of a sudden, being black ain't no big deal. And you start talking to your brother who just happens to be in white skin. You start talking to your sister who just happened. In other words, we won't discriminate against each other based on where we came from or what we came through because everybody's broken. You get it? So everybody's broken. So, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share three points. I'm going to talk about uh, first, what is discipleship? 
What is a disciple and what is discipleship? Then I'm going to talk about uh, uh, the invitation. I'm going to show you where Jesus was like over the top. When, I mean, when Jesus invited people into this, this formative, this transformative relationship, it was over the top. It, 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 now, we read these scriptures all the time and we've gotten used to them, so we don't see it. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually, might have to, you know, do some acting and demonstrating and use some different voices just, just to get you to see uh, what I see. Uh, and then finally, we're going to talk about how to respond how to respond. All right, so here's, when, okay, when I first started teaching discipleship, I did like most of us did. Uh, we taught it in a very religious kind of way. I taught it from the standpoint of uh, Jesus died on the cross, he's your Lord, and you must, and you need to, and you got to be committed. So I just spent, I mean, I just hammered people with commitment and dedication, you know, because he's Lord. Now, all that's true. He is Lord. But the view that I received uh, was uh, not me looking to Christ, but Jesus looking down from the cross, right, at me and saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So it's the invitation to transformation. Discipleship is not an invitation to new information. Right. It's not an invitation to learn, get all the information about God and the church and all that. And that's not it. Matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, this ain't in my notes, but this is good. Matter of fact, I, this is going to be good. You're going to like this. Is that uh, sometimes we make people disciples of our denomination. Right. They're not disciples of Christ at all. They're disciples of that particular view that our denomination, and I'm not slamming denomination, it's just, a, it's just a, a unintentional error, but it's still an error. So they are disciples of a particular view or brand of Jesus. Other people are disciples, watch this, and we, and you know, I'm not, I'm not the senior, the head dude, but I got to say it. You can't just be a disciple of the mission statement. You can just be a disciple. In other words, you know everything there is to know about the mission statement, and you will die on the hill to say it. But you don't know much about Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are disciples of Jesus. And if I'm a disciple of Jesus, and the word disciple definition just means learner. Right? If I'm, a, if I'm learning Jesus, right, discipleship is the process by which the, the student becomes like the teacher. Right? And I'm being transformed into Jesus. A person who's being transformed to Jesus can serve anywhere in the kingdom. Yes, sir. They could serve anywhere and be awesome because they're, they're the whole process of, of the Lord making you like him is the outcome. So the outcome of authentic discipleship, not the religious stuff that I was teaching before, because I made people biblicist. I mean, I taught people how to understand the Bible. I mean, I, and I can still teach that stuff, but it's in a different context. You know, this, I mean, all you theolo theology students would, would appreciate this. I went through the book of Ephesians and showed the difference between the directive of the text and the wisdom of the text. If you read a text, you identify what the text is telling you to do, and everything that is left is the wisdom of the text. The wisdom of the text helps you understand and empowers you to do the directive of the text. That's good stuff. Man, that, that, come on. That. What you talking about? I mean, I had people who didn't know nothing about, I mean, they could quote that thing and, and I, you know, I, in, in true church fashion, say it back to me. Oh, they got it. Praise the Lord. But this relational thing is different. Yeah. Jesus says, listen, watch this. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Other words, I want to hook up with you. The yoke joins two things together. Yoke of oxen, they're joined together. So it's not that he's Lord and said, you will be my disciple. So shall it be written, so shall it be done. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how I used to understand that. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, if you love me, you will keep, treasure, hang on to, make priority of my commandments. You know why? Because you love me. Get it? All right. So here we go. Discipleship, this is the new view. Discipleship is initiated by God. Watch this. Put that up there. Discipleship is initiated by God. He has made himself discoverable and available to us. That's powerful. I think about like your phone, your Bluetooth, right? When you hook it up, a Bluetooth speaker, the other device has got to be sending out a signal so they can discover each other. And when they can discover, watch this, when they can discover each other, what's going on in the source device can be transmitted, man, this is good preaching, can be transmitted to the receiving device. If, if, so God is the source device. And he's made himself discoverable and available, and he's inviting us to. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. He makes himself what? Discoverable and available. And when we turn on our device and say, yes, Lord, I receive your word, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Guess what? What's happening in the source device begins to happen in the output device. Get it? It's initiated by God. He's inviting us, and that's, that's my, my, my topic is invitation. The true discipleship is an invitation to transformation. It's not an invitation to new information, because you can get information all day. You might know some of them folks. They can talk in tongues, but won't talk to you. They can babble to God for hours. Come out of that thing hating everybody. I don't think you've been talking to him. And I come from a background of people who talk in tongues. I talk, I'm, like, I'm like Paul, I talk in tongues daily. But just because you talk in tongues don't mean you're being transformed to the image of Christ. You, you know what you are? You're a disciple of tongues. Okay. Oh, man. You're a disciple of tongues. So, discipleship is initiated by God. Okay, now, we've we done the definition part. Now, what I want to do is show you a, a few scriptures, the invitation and the outcome of the discipleship. I want to show you a few instances where Jesus invited people to, to, to discipleship, divide, invited them to a relationship, and he does it by self-revelation, by the way. The way Jesus does it, he, he just chooses to engage you and interact with you, and he just chooses to reveal himself to you. Like, he chooses the encounter. 
So over in, in John chapter 4, now you got to read the whole chapter to get this. Jesus said to his disciples, we, I have need, I have need to go through Samaria. I have need to go. It's not something simple like, hey, y'all, let's go through, let's cut through Samaria. No, let's not take this best way. Let's take 55. No, no. Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria, which is for a Jewish man. You, you, you. If gotta go means like you can't get there no other way, I don't got time for that. But you need to study the background. That. So that was a big statement in and of itself. But he needed to go. And so when he got there, he was smart. He sent the disciples away. Okay, y'all need to, um, you know, remember the little dude on the football team? You ever played street football? Football in the street. And there's a the little dude you ain't gonna never throw him the ball because he's just too little. So you say, go deep. <laughs> yeah, you little, little man. Okay. All right. I, Steve, I want you to do a button hook. And now you go, mm. okay, I want you to run a slant. Uh, uh. A little dude like, hey, what you want me to do? What you want me to do, Steve? I want to play. I want to play. Go deep. <laughs> you ain't going to never throw him the ball. You're trying to get him out the way. Uh, nobody's going to follow him. So what Jesus did with his apostles, uh, disciples said, uh, go deep. Y'all, y'all go. Go deep. So he meets this woman at the well. Right? And um, uh, she comes with her water pot to get, do what? Get some water. So Jesus, and I've I, I done this in the last one. I'm going to do it with you. Please don't be offended. But this is what I see. New black American version. So Jesus sees this woman and this woman at the well. And he say, uh, what's up? Let me holler at you. She said, how you going to be hollering at me? You know, you know you Jews don't want, y'all don't deal with none of this. <laughs> and Jesus said, like, listen, you talking about rapping. I mean, he laying lying. He said, if you knew who you was talking to, he would have given you living water that you never thirst again. She like, oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Now, I ain't never heard that one. This dude going to give me some water and I'm never going to thirst again. So she plays along. All right. Give me this water. Okay, cool, brother. All right. Give me the, okay, give me the water. I'm never going to thirst again. At this point, this is just a man talking to a woman. Now, when we read it, it's Jesus talking to No, no, no. Read it in its context. This is just a man talking to a woman. Right? And if you read through the text... He begins to do what? Reveal who he was. He says, uh, all right, all right, where your man at? I'm sorry, where's your husband? <laughs> New black American version, where your man at? She said, I ain't got no man. <laughs> he, he said, yeah, you're right, true that, true that. Because the man you with now, you done had five of them, and the one you with is not yours. She said, well, I perceived I the prophet. <laughs> yeah. So now she begins to realize there's something different about this dude. And then she goes, okay. And she talks about worship. And all of a sudden in the process, he gets to this verse. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will be come in that person. A spring 
water welling up into eternal life. Whoever drinks of this, does that sound like, boy, there's some interesting things about Jesus. I think I agree with that. I am a Christian. Ta-da! Does that sound like that? Absolutely not. There's no place where Jesus ever taught, hey man, just, just kind of casually take some of the things that I teach, pull out the ones you really like, leave the other ones to the side, and ta-da, I'm a Christian. He ain't never taught that. But the problem is we do. And so we don't make disciples. We make people who just go, yes, Jesus love, love, love. Jesus love, love, love. It would surprise you, based on how many people talking about Jesus is love, Jesus love. It would surprise you that Jesus himself never said he was love. I'm not fussing. I'm trying to shake you up. John said that about Jesus, and he was right. But Jesus' message, his primary message was not, I am love, 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 love. His primary message was recalibrate, repent, the kingdom is here. Change, you're doing this, do that, go a different direction. The king is here, the kingdom is here. His whole message says, change, 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 change. And guess what? I will change you, I will change you. His message was not love, 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 love. And then you get to define it however you want. Not at all. He ain't that weak and neither are you. You wouldn't build no business like that. You wouldn't have a mission statement that says help everybody and we all get to determine what help everybody means. Yeah, you would build one and it'll fail. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. Are you feeling me? Watch. The woman says, sir, give me this water. I would want it too. Don't you? Give me this water. I'd never be thirsty nor have to come here to draw the water. Watch this. So that's, a, that's, a, that's pretty over the top, isn't it? That's not like, hey, come to church. No. Watch this. St. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood and cried out. I love this one because this is really over the top. On the last day of the feast, the great day. That's like the day. It's like the convocation in the church of God in Christ. It's the day everybody shows up. They didn't miss all the plenary sessions and all that, but this is the day. Jesus stood up. What? That means he was doing what? Sitting down. He stood up and cried out. Now, this is not then Jesus just said. That, that's, that's what, no. Jesus, like, everybody's doing like y'all doing. Jesus, everybody just sitting, you know, y'all know me in my urban mind. They just chilling. Yeah, man, how you like the feast? Yeah, this is a little different this time. Yabba-dabba-da. me too. Like that. They're just chilling. And all of a sudden over here, Jesus gets up Screams, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. People are like, is he, what's wrong with him? We chilling, he hollering. Then he goes, then he goes there. See, that's, that's the invitation. Then he goes there. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow living water. That doesn't kind of sound like I heard some things that Jesus said, and I really like those things that Jesus said, so I'm a Christian. Does that say that? No. Believe on me, and something's going to happen to you. 
So the woman, watch it. So, so, so the woman who went to the well, uh, if she believed, she shows up with rivers flowing out of her. She shows up with a well jumping out of her mouth. This, these people come to Jesus. They're different. They're not just regular people anymore. They're people with waters, living waters, gushing out of their belly. They're not the same anymore. They're not just churchgoers. Something's happened to them. Something has changed in them. There's been, they've been new creatures in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away, and all things are becoming new. They met him. For real. That's what Jesus offers. That's the invitation to transformation. Wow. Now that's, that's, so, so watch this. So, so the aim of authentic discipleship, this is not on the slide, folks. The, the aim of authentic discipleship with Jesus is concerned is change. It's transformation. It's measured. He said it last week. It's beautiful. In fact, it shocked me. It's measured in gentleness. Christ-likeness, because here I come dragging in to Garfield, not even knowing I'm going to be at Garfield, never even heard of Garfield. The president, why they, why they name their church Garfield? So here I come dragging in to Garfield, thinking y'all tripping. Okay, this dude wants me to be, y'all don't know the story. This dude wants me to be on his staff, he don't even know me. Either he full of the Holy Ghost or he is cray-cray. <laughs> Straight talk. I'm going to keep it 100. I said, this dude, all right, he nice though. They nice people. So I looked at Bell. What you think, baby? Let's go. Let's check it out. <laughs> I come in here and it was a communion Sunday. Lord's Supper. And Terry, like she says, today I want to invite you to the Lord's table. <laughs> it's not Garfield's table. It's not our table, it's the Lord's table. And I see people, I'm about to get misty, and I see people walking up to the Lord's table. Just all these people, different kind of people, black people, white people, tall people, Asian people. Some people look lost. They just walking. <laughs> I said, wow. What's this? I, I, this ain't right. We, we supposed to read the threatened scripture first. You know, y'all don't know your Bible. Y'all ain't been around that now. You got to read that threatened. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth damnation to his soul. <laughs> I mean... It says that, but not the way we put it out there. We put it like that. If you eat this bread and you ain't right with God, your soul is damned to a burning hell. Y'all ready to eat? Nope. <laughs> I ain't eat nothing. I eat nothing. No, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so I'm watching all these people at the Lord's table. Now, you see, you don't even know how effective that was for me. And I'm watching regular people serve the body. See, I come from, you got to have on the white robe and the cassock and the whatever. You, you're supposed to be the special class of people to be able to serve the body. But I just saw regular old folk who shared a common brokenness in Christ, just sharing that body with Christ. And I sat there, you remember, and I'm sitting about right there, and I'm crying my eyes out. 
And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And I tell pastor, I said, hey, man, there's something being healed in me that I know was broke. I'm a big old baby up under all this blue shirt, a big old baby. What's happening? And the more I let him in, the more he changed it. Nobody stood over me. You better change that, brother. You better get it right. Get right or get left. Y'all slow. Y'all got to catch up. I was good at that. I know how to preach that thing, man. I can, pre- I can, preach, you, I can preach you right, right in the hell and just on the edge of heaven. You know, I know how to tell you not to go to hell, but I know how to tell you how to live for God. So watch. Watch. The process, the process of walking with Christ, you let him in. He answered the invitation. So how do I, how do I answer? It's my text. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your body. I mean, I take that practical. Like, I need to spend some time. I need to, I need to make, I need to, like, maybe, you know, I'm scared. I'm going to keep it keep 100 with you. I got so much boiling inside of me, combination of fear, anger, rage in me over this black-white thing. I won't, I, I'm not ready to come to the conversation. Because, man, that thing pop open. Y'all going to be calling, hey, Pastor Chip, Stephen, and blew it. Then you messed up. Because the Lord has got to fix my heart. He's working on it. But I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. You ain't ready to hear it yet either. And I'm not ready to say it. When am I getting that? But thank God that we have a ministry. And we got a place where there is no judgment. And there's no one saying you got to do it. And God, knowing that he created you, he won't even make you. Because he knows he gave you a free will. And he knows that the only way, oh, this is some consultant stuff here. I'm about to drop one on you. You can write this down. Change that is not generated from an act of the will is not sustainable. If it's not an act of, if it's not a free act of your will, that change is not sustainable. You can do it for a minute. But as soon as you, as Michael Tyson said, everybody got a plan. As soon as you get hit in the mouth, you go back to what you used to do. Exactly. 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 We all have a plan. Because if it's been imposed on you, then it's not, it's not sustainable. But if you do this, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. I love worship music, but this is what worship is. You do this, present yourself to God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. See, in our, in our mission, in our, in everything about what we do, transform, transform. Here we go. Be transformed. And guess what? It's continual. It's continual. There's a little song we used to sing. I used to teach the children's choir. And we'd done hand signals with it. And it was little, 
By little he's changing me. Line upon line he's changing me. Precept on precept till I am free. Jesus keeps changing me. Little by little he's changing me. Line upon line he's changing me. Precept on precept till I am free. Jesus keeps changing And because we're from a Pentecostal church, we got to hit that last phrase. Jesus keeps changing me. Jesus keeps changing me. And then we put that Pentecostal on it. Jesus keeps changing me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) My, My brothers, my sisters, I pray you got the message. Say yes. The easiest way to get here with all this invitation is... Okay, give me this water. Get bold with it. I got some water for you. Give it to me. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Fine, born me again, brother. You said these rivers will flow out of me. Fine, where they at? Give me some rivers flowing out of me. If he's offering the invitation, just say yes. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, sir.